This is Wilderness and Wildlife, presented by the Gallatin Wildlife Association in Bozeman, Montana. This is a half-hour program featuring commentaries and interviews with wildlife and wilderness advocates relating to the unique natural environment that we enjoy in the wildlands of the West and all across America. I'm your host, Jay Shell. Today we are in interviewing Jihada Govan, the monument manager of Sand the Snow National Monument in Southern California. It encompasses 154,000 acres and it's co-managed by the Bureau of Land Management and the U.S. Forest Service. Jihada holds a bachelor's degree from California Polytechnic University in Humboldt, where she studied wildlife management with an emphasis on ornithology, botany, and environmental planning. She grew up in the Pasadena and Altadena areas of Southern California, where she spent time hiking and exploring in the San Gabriel Mountains. It sparked her love of the outdoors. Jihada has previously worked as a wildland firefighter, a wildlife biologist, and a wildlife refuge and preserve manager. So welcome, Jihada. It's great to be talking to you from Southern California. How are things down there? Um, it's, it's pretty nice. We're having a, a much uh, milder winter uh, winter this year compared uh-huh. to last year, but um, it is it is the rainy season, so we're we're happy for that. And thanks for having me. Ah, great. Okay, so tell us about Sand and Snow. It's a national monument that was established recently. Uh, why was it created? What's special uh, about it? Yeah, you know, so the monument was created uh, through presidential proclamation under the authority of the uh, Antiquities Act, uh, February 12, 2016. Um, there were two other monuments that were also in, in um, my area um, established that through the, the procl- a proclamation that same day. Uh, those are Castle Mountains and uh, Mojave Trail. Uh-huh. They're kind of neighbors of, of mine uh-huh. to um, the monument. Um, and the monument was established uh, to preserve um, its natural, cultural, uh, scientific, and um, historic and prehistoric resources. And what's the elevation differential there? Oh, my. No. Um, yeah, the elevation difference. Um, the one wonderful thing about the Santa Snow um, is in its name. Um, it does start um, on the desert floor of the Colorado River, Colorado, excuse me, and um, Mojave Desert. Um, and those elevations range, oh, maybe about maybe 1,500 1, to 1,500 feet um, to the highest uh, peak in Southern California, Mount San Gregorio, that is 11,500 feet, wow. uh, give or take. Um, so you've got, you know, desert habitat up to um, alpine habitat. Wow. So starting at the trailhead, how long does it take to uh, for a good hiker to climb up from the desert to the high point in the mountains? Mm. So we have lots of different trailheads um, that can get a, a, a hiker um, on their way. Um, on the forest forest managed side of the monument, you did manage the monument message. Mis- um, mentioned that the monument is, is uh, managed by two different federal agencies, um, U.S. Forest Service on the San Bernardino National Forest and the Bureau of Land Management 
at the eastern side. And on the forest side, um, there are numerous uh, peaks, um, including the highest peak in Southern California, Mount San Gregorio, and there's several trailhead opportunities. So for the really enthusiastic and good hiker, because this is not a not a walk in the park hike to get up to that high peak, um, you can start off. And I'd say an average hike to get to that high peak uh, from one of our closer trailheads. Um, it would be about eight hours. It is a wicked elevation gain, um, like, but some folks might make it in six hours, maybe even five if you're in really super good shape. Uh-huh. So what distinguishes uh, the monument uh, where you are from Joshua Tree that it borders on the east? The Santa Snow is um, monument. It has really amazing riparian canyons that are these wonderful deep canyons where water can be found year-round, where a lot of different wildlife, um, uh, migratory birds and whatnot find refuge and find a good drink of water when the temperatures can get into the, you know, you know, in the hundred teens um, in our area. Um, the, the Joshua Tree area doesn't necessarily have um, that diversity, those canyons. Um, they have, you know, great springs. They have some um, marshy areas, but nothing nothing like the sand to snow. Um, we, we are fortunate um, to be, uh, you know, within the San Bernardino Mountains as well as the little San Bernardino Mountains uh, to the east are just a, a different geographically, uh, different and distinct from the San Bernardino Mountains um, as opposed to Joshua Tree, our, our neighbor, um, you know, to the to the east. Uh-huh. Yeah. So you're jointly uh, supervised by your your uh, department, which is Bureau of Land Management, and the U.S. Forest Service. That's kind of unique. Uh, how does that work out? The funny thing is, it is unique, but um, not really for uh, California. Um, there are two other uh, co-managed national monuments, um, at least with Forest Service and the Bureau of Land Management in the state. Um, one of them is a, a monument to the north of us, Berryessa um, Snow Mountain National Monument, and that's managed through the Bureau of Land Management and the Mendocino National Forest. Mm-hmm. And um, there's actually another co-managed monument within um, my my immediate neighbor, um, the Santa Rosa and San Jacinto Mountains National Monument. That is um, those beautiful mountains and that the that beautiful um, stark landscape you see as the backdrop of uh, in the Palm Springs or the Coachella Valley area. Um, so it's not super, super unique, but but though as monuments go, it is it is a bit different. Um, the interesting thing, too, about the Sand and Snow Monument is um, on the Forest Service mon- managed side, um, it's not just on the National Forest, but it's also in two different ranger districts. Um, so we, part of maybe about 10,000 acres of the Sand and Snow is within the mountaintop uh, ranger district management area, and the balance of it is in the front country ranger district and also on the Bureau of Land Management side um, I'm also in in the uh, California Desert District and within that district there's there's different five different field offices uh, the monument the balance of it is in on um, the BLM managed side in the Palm Springs South Coast field office to the southern southern part of the monument and to the north there's a 10,000 acre ish a discontiguous unit um, that is in the Barstow Field Offices management area. So it it does make things somewhat difficult um, having to make sure I'm informing all of the line officers or you know different supervisors. Um, I'm not I'm not the big boss. Like so, I have manager in my name. I'm not the big boss. Um, 
I am I am actually and I am actually a Forest Service employee, um, and so my direct supervisors are the Forest Supervisors of the San Bernardino, but I also um, am supervised um, by de facto by the field managers for the Barstow and the Palm Springs South Coast field offices. So it makes things kind of kind of kind of rough, but luckily we have um, a shared mission. Um, we. Uh, we, I get support from both field offices and districts um, through their staff um, in, in, in helping manage the monument, you know, mainly in, mainly in recreation, um, biology, and things like that, and different support. So it works It works out pretty good. So it is a lot of coordination. <laughs> yeah, I, I would assume it takes a lot of coordination uh-huh. uh, and cooperation. So uh, there's a boundary around the whole thing, and our – uh, is each agency, the BLM and the Forest Service, are they? Uh, do they have? They administer those separate those parcels separately. Is that how it works? Yes, um, yes. I'd say yes and no. Um, uh, you know, yes, because you know, Bureau of Land Management. Um, you know, they the federal lands that they manage they, uh, are called public lands, and so they're you know managed not not super different, but just a little. They have some jurisdictions or some designations that are a little different from the Forest Service, and um, you know. So for the most part, you know, it's it's managed the same, um, and my um, my job is to work, you know, with both agencies and kind of basically straddle, you know, both agency and both you know both worlds there um, to you know to support uh, the mission, I guess, for the monument and for both agencies. Um, having been a past employee um, with the Bureau of Land Management. Um, I'm, you know, I, I don't find it super difficult because I kind of get the, I get it, I get how both agencies kind of function, so it works out. And then also the Bureau of Land Management does, um, they do provide half my staff free, um, so yeah, <laughs> it works. We make it work. <laughs> 100,000 acres uh, is designated as wilderness. Uh-huh. Uh, who manages that? Um on the so on the Forest Service side of the Sanderson Monument, um, there's the the main wolf. The only there's only one wilderness, and that's the San Gregorio Wilderness. Uh-huh. But the interesting thing is on the on the forest side, um, that that uh, the San Gregorio Wilderness was one of the original wilderness uh, designations through the Wilderness Act of 1964. Whereas on the Bureau of Land Management side, um, the legislation that um, designated that as a wilderness. Uh, again, the same name, San Bernardino Wilderness, um, was the California Desert uh, Conservation Plan uh, in the 90s and the 96. So it's you know kind of kind of interesting, but um, they're both managed um, under the guidance through the guidance of the Wilderness Act and as wilderness. Yeah, so that doesn't really change. That's pretty similar. No motorized vehicles, um, you know, no bicycles, no mountain bikes or anything like that within it. Um, but you know, uh, because both agencies are um, multiple use agencies. We do allow hunting um, still within the monument. There's still um, active deer hunters, um, some quail in the lower elevations, uh-huh. and things like that. So, it's, yeah, it works out pretty good. So, uh, what's the major activity for people who visit the monument? Uh, is it biking or hiking, or what What do they do? I would have to say it's, it's hiking. Um, we, there's, uh, on, the, on the forest side, um, we've got you know, over 250 miles of, tra- of trail within the monument, and that's within the wilderness. Uh-huh. Um, there's a smaller primitive uh, campsite. People enjoy that yellow post site uh, within the within the um, forest managed side of the monument. 
Um, so hiking is, is, it's huge. It's a, it's a big deal. Um, and then on the, on the BLM side, um, this is, uh, winter is the busy season in the low desert. Um, and it's also snowbird season. So we've got lots of, uh, lots of folks who are, um, normally living, um, in, in your state in Montana, uh-huh. um, down here for the winter. And they do like to get out and about, um, and do day hikes down there every day. Um, and so we, we, our parking lots, um, on the BLM side are pretty full of, of folks just hiking and just getting out. Um, to have a picnic or stretch your legs. So by far, I think nature viewing and just getting out, you know, doing a family hike or a hike with a group is, is one of the most, one of the most, uh, you know, activities that people engage in the most. Um, 30, miles, monument. 30 miles of the Pacific Crest Trail runs through mm-hmm. the monument. Uh, what's, what's that like? What elevation is the trail out there? The lower, the lowest elevation um, people can, where they can access the, you know, access the Pacific Crest Trail, um, is uh, is on the desert side of the monument, um, and the, a lot of people um, access that at the Cottonwood Trailhead, mm-hmm. and that elevation is about, eh, it's about maybe a little less shy of two thousand, two thousand feet. Mm-hmm. And the, but the PCT does not; it doesn't go um, into the higher, highest, highest elevate, you know, um, peaks um, within the within the San Bernardino National Forest. But it does get up there at about eight thousand feet. Yeah. So you have a lot of bird species there. Uh, Two hundred forty, I think I read. Uh, mm-hmm. Tell me about the birds that you see there. The birding here is amazing. It uh, it really is. Um, a lot of people uh, who do come um, and participate in bird watching, and we get people from all over the world. Um, they tend to flock towards to the Big Morongo uh, unit of the Sand and Snow Monument. Um, that unit is unique because it's one of the largest uh, freshwater uh, and cottonwood, you know, uh, uh, forested marshes in Southern California, and it also has a supports a huge density of breeding birds during the bird breeding season, which starts, you know, anywhere from, you know, like like March, sometimes February, um, into, you know, August, September. Um, and the birding, it, it is quite, uh, it's quite phenomenal. Um, actually, I just looked at, before this um, chat with you today, um, the rare bird alert, um, the preserve, uh, the, the Big Morongo Canyon Preserve, they have a really great, vigorous uh, friends group, um, and um, part of the their responsibilities or just things that they do is they have a series of different feeders, hummingbird feeders and whatnot, and they do a weekly, you know, if not, you know, daily. There's someone there birding daily, and there was a Plumbus vireo seen there this, this month. It's like, holy moly. That was, that's pretty cool. Um, there have been some east, eastern birds there um, recently. Um, I think last year they had a catbird, which is amazing, <laughs> you know, for this, for us. We were like, wow, that's so exciting, you know, but um, yeah, the birding is, is, is quite phenomenal. And uh, what, are, what are the rare visitors that you see on occasion? Yeah, and I may not be pronouncing this correctly, so, you know, um, please feel free to correct me here. The, the Plumbus 
Mysterio was is a pretty is a pretty good one. That was a very that's a rare one, definitely a rare bird. Mm-hmm. And uh, last year there was also a rose-breasted grosbeak, and that was that was pretty that was pretty neat. Um, the typical birds that you'd see every day, of course, in the desert are just you know the common <laughs> common raven. Um, lots of uh, phanopeplas, um, one of my favorite birds. Um, you'll see them there um, on a daily basis. Um, we also the the big Morongo Canyon unit. Um, it is a uh, an area of critical environmental concern. Um, that is a designation that the Bureau of Land Management uses for areas that have um, you know important habitat for a bird species or a, a plant or something or or cultural uh, sensitive cultural site um, for you know for them to flourish and to be um, successful in breeding and their population numbers. So least built vireo. It's another bird that, that regularly winters, not winters, excuse me, but uh, breeds um, at the Big Morongo unit. And what kind of mammals uh, are found there? Um, lots. Um, people uh, sometimes think that, um, you know, you'd see black bear or mountain lion or things like that in the higher elevations or, you know, a typical forest. But we do have um, a resident uh, mountain lion uh, in the desert area, in the uh, Big Morongo um, unit, um, we also have uh, a black bear that comes and you know comes and feeds on mesquite beans um, regularly down there. Um, we have bobcat and things like that. Other mammals that we have, um, you might you know would would encounter there would be you know, coyotes, um, raccoons, um, you know things of things like that. You have pronghorn there. Uh, we do. Um, well, not pronghorn, but we have bighorn sheep. Yeah, uh-huh. no pronghorn. Uh-huh. And how about bats? Lots of bats. Um, I believe there are um, twelve or fourteen different species of bats that have been um, been identified uh, that utilize um, portions of the monument. But you know, it could be more than that. Yeah, you know, it just depends on um, who's out there <laughs> looking uh-huh. at any given time. Do you have a, spa, a bat specialist on staff? You know, um, the uh, monument manager for the Santa Rosa and San Jacinto National Monument, she, her previous position was as a wildlife biologist at the Palm Springs South Coast Field Office, and I believe her master's degree um, was in bats. So she um, is our resident bat expert, so that's kind of, you know, great. She's pretty busy, but every now and then we can get her out. All right. What kind of reptiles do you have in the monument? We have rattlesnakes. Um, the bunny, Southern California has one of the highest diversities of rattlesnakes in the country. Mm-hmm. So we have speckled rattlesnakes. Um, yeah, just the typical Western Western uh, rattlesnakes. Quite a few uh, whiptails. Um, it's, it's it's pretty diverse as far as our, our reptile species and snakes. And do you have some threatened species or species that are on the endangered species list? Uh, the least-billed vireo is an endangered uh, bird species. Um, we also have um, 14 different federally listed plants, um, species that are uh, threatened and endangered. Um, uh, most famous um, or most notable of those would be um, the, uh, uh, well, Southern, uh, the Southern uh, Mountain uh, Wild Buckwheat. Um, we have, also have a triple rib, a ribbed uh, milk vetch. Um, there's a, an ash gray paintbrush that's more of the higher um, elevations. Um, and those are, um, they range from threatened to endangered in, um, in the Southern California area. You had a terrible heat wave last summer. Mm. Uh, were any species affected by that uh, adversely? 
I think so. You know, I, I can't necessarily say on the on the within the sand of snow monument. And one of the um, one of the reasons for that is we had such a good. Well, it was, I mean, it was an intense winter. There's atmospheric river after atmospheric river, um, and that allowed plants to, um, you know, really get a good a good foothold. A just you know getting a good root system laid down, as well as you know some good growth. It also they also held on to fuel moisture um, for a long you know longer period of time. So um, we were expecting kind of a bad fire season, but it actually turned out to not be so bad. We also had a good marine layer. Um, that that would come in and came pretty far east every year from the ocean. That kind of kept you know fuel moisture relatively high. That kind of you know helped out just helped plants out um, their survival rates. Plus um, you know kept our our the fire uh, risk uh, low. Have you had any species that over the past century have are no longer in the monument that have been eradicated? Uh, <laughs> Well, um, I mean, first off, I would, I guess I would say wolves, maybe, you know, um, uh, and, uh, and, and the grizzly bear. Um, those are, those are gone. Yeah. Um, as far as other, other species, um, I've read some historical accounts of, um, like just desert cactus in some areas. There used to be just, you know, I would I, in, in these areas, even though it's a desert, I can I consider it lush because when it's green and and blooming, it's it's quite lovely. But uh, there was a, a an, an issue with people coming to take those for landscaping. You know, in the you know further west in the LA area, uh-huh. um, and actually that that was one of the things that spurred um, a lot of the desert um, areas and desert desert conservation. Um, a woman named Minerva um, Minerva Hoyt, you probably have heard of. Um, was very instrumental in in bringing uh, that to the presidents and to um, a larger national attention of those those, those concerns. Has, has has have you noticed any differences due to climate change? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, I guess you know I've I've lived here my whole life. Well, not necessarily in the desert desert, the Mojave Desert, but I am from you know the Pasadena Altadena area. Uh-huh. And, you know, I lived here, um, you know, I'm in my, you know, mid-50s now, so, you know, as a child of the 60s and 70s. And I remember driving on the freeway and, and seeing, um, you know, going to visit friends and family, um, you know, with my family and looking at the mountains and seeing um, these snow-covered peaks um, like Mount Baldy, you know, covered in snow into into August, um, sometimes, you know, September. Um, and uh, you don't you don't see that anymore. You don't see necessarily see snow lingering for that long anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, there, you know, there is there is that, um, and you know other um, you know climate change uh, effects um, in the monument are similar to other areas in Southern California. There's hotter and drier conditions, and it causes a longer duration and more damaging fires. You know, um, when uh, one of the fires, um, I guess here um, that. Uh, Kind of, you know, was set the tone um, right before I came here. Was a blue cut fire that was a, that was a pretty pretty huge fire, and a lot of that was um, could be you know pointed out towards you know towards towards some early climate change that was uh, or climate change because that was 2016. That was pretty that was pretty intense. Uh-huh. A lot of uh, a lot of structures were lost. 
Um, don't believe any uh, people were any lives were lost, but it was it was just very very damaging. Do you have a uh, fire response team? Do you maintain a fire department in the area? Oh, the, the San Bernardino um, National Forest, um, as far as employees, employee count goes, um, maybe more than half of the forest, the permanent and seasonal employees are, are fire, or the fire militias. <laughs> On Southern California forests are, are pretty intense. They're quite large. Um, we work very closely, of course, with Cal Fire um, and other municipalities in our response um, to fires here, as well as um, some uh, some tribal some tribes. Um, they have their own you know fire departments, but we we, we provide uh, you know mutual mutual uh, response and support to those to those areas. Do you have some challenges ahead at the monument that uh, you're concerned about? Any any kind of restoration of uh, losses that you've had? Perhaps bringing back Mexican wolves? <laughs> yeah, I don't think. Um, I think our urban interface um, is is would be too restrictive to bring back um, bring back wolves. Though um, last summer, I believe there was a wolf that uh, traveled. Um, almost into Southern California before, unfortunately, he was struck by a, a vehicle. Oh. So, I mean, just natural. You never know how that how that works. Um, yeah. But, you know, any restoration that we, you know, at least for the monument is concerned, um, it takes place where there's been resource damage. Um, and at this time, most of our resource damage, um, it comes from illegal OHV use, mm. um, from user-created hill climbs and, and trails and things like that. And the restoration that we, um, in, you know, we employ is, uh, involves using dead vegetation or rocks and things like that to come camouflage the, those areas so they look natural and um, kind of blend in where in and and some also some uh, seed planting in those in you know in those areas as well to to promote native native vegetation um, but yeah that's that's a kind of a big <laughs> a big issue um, around here in these areas in my at least on the monument. Is your vegetation most, mostly uh, from Southern California, or do you find people coming uh, from other parts of the country to visit Santa Snow? You know, I think um, in the summer um, on the on the forest side of the monument, the majority of our visitation um, is from you know from California and from Southern California. Uh-huh. On the BLM side, um, it's specifically like in the winter time. Um, we get visitors from all over the world and especially, you know, all over the country. Um, a lot, there are many, many people who have um, winter homes, you know, in the Palm Springs of the Coachella Valley area. And, you know, they, they really take advantage of the of the open spaces and natural areas in the, in the you know, within the deserts and the mountains to get out and, and hike and just enjoy, you know, their retirement. So we get visitors from all over in the winter, yeah. We're running out of time, but uh, I want to. What kind of cactus uh, do you have there? Oh, we have barrel cactus. We have um, a toya, things like that. Mm-hmm. We have lots. We have lots of those things, you know. But um, but yeah. You have and Joshua I, I guess, trees in the monument. We do have Joshua trees, but not nearly what they have in Joshua Tree National Park. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have some. Um, but not not tons. <laughs> and have you been, have you had problem with vandalism? We have not had 
pro- uh, problems uh, with vandalism, but um, like as far as you know that being a challenge, we get some graffiti and whatnot. But um, you know, aside from that, I just think uh, you know other challenges aside from you know the graffiti. Please stop doing that, people. Um, is, you know, educating people, you know, visitors about, you know, these lands that are open to the public, you know, they belong to everyone and it is everyone's responsibility and everyone, you know, that everyone cares for the lands. Leaving a place better than when you found it is is, is a great rule of thumb. Mm-hmm. You know, we are growing exponentially and with this comes way more impact to our lands. Um, you know, lands are open to the public, whether it be state, you know, county lands. So I would just ask people to help in any way they can by adhering to the rules and regulations, you know. We have valid reasons why they're there. We have those, you know, regulations and rules. And it probably seems unfair to a person, um, you know, that they might feel limit, you know, they have limited places to ride a mountain bike or hunt or off-road in specific areas. But I just ask people that they keep in mind that we manage lands for many users, many uses, and for wildlife. Um, and just ask people to keep that in mind no matter where they are. Well, Jihada, we have exhausted our time, but I really appreciate your talking to us about sand and snow. I only recently learned that it was even there. So uh, thank you very much for telling us about it. Sounds well, like you so much. like the visit. I hope, I hope you do. Look me up. <laughs> and you have a website that people can go and use to explore. So, Yes, we do. And they can search it easily on Google and, and, up, and a website will pop up. Well, thank you very much. Uh, our guest today has been Jihada Govan, uh, BLM manager at Santa Snow National Monument, east of San Bernardino, California. This has been Wilderness and Wildlife, a presentation of the Gallatin Wildlife Association in Bozeman, Montana. To hear more of these half-hour interviews, go online to kgvm.org and see additional features of our website. Thanks for listening. I'm your host, Jay Shell.